a good move. Why'd you dance him? Dancing is forbidden. Yoo-hoo, running crew, welcome to Dancing is Forbidden in Aqua Teen Hunger Force Exploration. I am Ronnie, and on this podcast, I am watching through and talking about every Aqua Teen episode, one episode at a time, and the episode that I'm watching and talking about this week is Season 1, Episode 16, PDA. Please be quiet, I'm scheduling here. Is that your PDA? PDA airing December 15th, 2002, and featuring my favorite comedian of all time, Todd Berry. So I'm very excited to talk about him in this episode. But before I get to talk about Todd Berry, as always, we've got some other stuff to talk about first. So in terms of Aqua Teen news, Dave Willis went on the Radio Labyrinth podcast a few days before the Adult Swim Festival and actually gave some good information there that we later got in the Adult Swim Festival. But I watched through the whole interview and he did give some information that he left out of the Adult Swim Festival. Just little things, but worth talking about nonetheless. Dave said that Aquadong Side Pieces was completely done And in that episode, he speculated it could possibly come out at the end of this year, although early 2022 is more likely. He isn't sure how it will come out in terms of, I assume, where. So, you know, no concrete information on Aquadonk side pieces yet in terms of how you'll watch it. But of course, as soon as I know anything, I'll let you guys know as well. But yeah, exciting to hear that, you know, it's so close to coming out potentially. You know, obviously, Dave doesn't make these decisions, but him speculating that it maybe could come out at some point this year is good news. You know, we would expect it then to come out probably early next year. We'll hope anyways. Another bit I wanted to mention here is he mentions that there's a Hand Banana episode where Carl and Hand Banana have settled into a boring domestic life. So we knew Hand Banana was coming back, but now we have a little bit more information on what will happen in that episode where it's him and Carl together like a normal couple, I suppose. So very excited to see that. Otherwise... The rest of the interview was mostly about Squidbillies. It was for Squidbillies. So if you're a Squidbillies fan, do check out the Radio Labyrinth podcast, their recent episode with Dave Willis, because lots of good Squidbilly talk there. But obviously, this is not a Squidbillies podcast. But the last bit I wanted to mention was that they asked Dave what was on the horizon for him. And unfortunately, he didn't simply say, oh, we're making more Aqua nothing like that. He mentioned how they're working on the Your Pretty Face is Going to Hell shorts. And then he brought up some pilots that he's been pitching. For example, one for Adult Swim that is basically a halfway house with a bunch of guys with powers. Although they're not villains, they're just kind of scumbags. And there's a character like Carl, although Dave says his name is Ronnie, which, hey, thanks. And he has like an airbrush kit. He's kind of like a graffiti artist, I take it. And whatever he spray paints comes to life. So yeah, that, that pilot called Outhouse, he pitched to Adult Swim, he said. But he also mentioned having others, although he didn't give specifics. So that's most of what I can glean from the Radio Labyrinth podcast episode with Dave Willis. Again, I would suggest you check out the whole thing because that interview was very good and they're clearly fans of Dave's. And if you're a Squidbillies fan, there's lots of good stuff in there for you. Moving on to some housekeeping stuff, I wanted to mention how I made an Aqua Teen crypto meme recently with that crypto format about like not knowing what crypto is and not investing in it. That's been going around. Head over to my Twitter account or my Instagram account at Aqua Teen Pod to see the meme I'm talking about. But yeah, that got a crazy amount of traction, I guess. I wasn't expecting it. It's hard to know how organically popular it got because let me tell you, folks, if you put hashtag crypto in a post, you will become absolutely goddamn bombarded with bot comments. 
on your post about, oh, check out this page. They they helped me make $50,000 and all this bullshit. Now, look, I'm not really going to say anything about crypto because I don't want people fucking messaging me about it because I just don't care. Okay. And for context, I was into it in 2017. Not so much anymore. I'll leave it at that. So I'm definitely a Frylock in the meme where I placed him. He knows what crypto is. He's not into it. But if you like the meme, I'm glad you liked it. So speaking of Instagram and to tie us into today's episode PDA, I pointed out how PDAs aren't really a thing anymore. And I asked, what is your favorite discontinued or antiquated tech? And we got a few answers here that I want to talk about really quick. Young Metro 95 said, I really missed the Nintendo GameCube. That was my jam. Yeah, funny because we're talking about GameCube in these episodes since we're in 2002. Never had one growing up, but I see the appeal. I've played on one. They're very fun. It's a good time. OJ Diesel said MP3 player because it was nice to have music on the go. So yeah, I mean, obviously we have MP3 players now, but the, but the standalone MP3 player, definitely a thing of the past, like the iPod or whatever, you know, because the phone does all that. Same thing with the PDA is, is we have the cell phones now, right? What's the point? And there is something kind of romantic about just the MP3 player. And I know that this is, this is such a uh, person my age thing to think because MP3 players in the grand scheme of things are still very new. But the same way that I would think that like vinyl is romantic. Oh, I own a physical thing of my music, physical representation with the physical grooves of my favorite songs. Same thing with MP3 player. It's like, oh, this device in my pocket that's just for my music and that's all it does. And that kind of reminds me how I've seen some articles lately about how Gen Z is bringing back the wired headphones, even though wireless headphones have only been around like, what, they've only been big like AirPods for five years or something. But yeah, all these things kind of come in cycles. I remember my first iPod. I got it for my 12th birthday, I think. I was so excited. It was awesome. I got to listen to music while riding my bike around. I think the first thing I loaded on there was My Chemical Romance's Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge. And then I think a bunch of System of a Down. And the color of that iPod was metallic blue, same color as the PDA in this episode. So Master Shake and I on the same wavelength. Sticking with our music theme, Tess Ersbet said cassette tapes and Walkman. But some bands are bringing tapes back and I'm here for it. Yeah, um, tapes definitely coming back. I, ha- I have a few myself, like new new tapes from labels and stuff, just because if a release I like was only put out on tape, then I'll buy it, even though I don't have a tape player anymore. I looked into it, into buying a new tape deck or something, and my understanding is they don't make good ones anymore. All the, all the ones being manufactured these days are pretty cheap. So that's unfortunate. I'm sure, I'm sure a high-end company will come around soon enough and start making them. Otherwise, your best bet... It's just to buy vintage, buy restored, and you'll be good to go. Now, if you really don't care, then yeah, you can get like a Walkman these days, a tape Walkman for probably 20 bucks or something from Walmart or something like that. I know this because I was looking into potentially putting out one of my albums on tape, and I was looking into the gear I'd have to buy to mass produce tapes and stuff like that, but ended up not doing it, and probably for the best because it'd be a pain in the butt, I think, to uh, move those tapes. I did get signed to a label that does tape runs, though. But unfortunately, they didn't do my album on tape. Oh, <laughs> boo-hoo. But yes, tape's definitely on the rise, although I don't know how high they will rise because, for example, vinyl is legitimately a decent format, while tapes were always a pain in the ass. I remember being a kid listening to tapes on a Walkman, and you know sometimes the Walkman would start to eat the tape, and you'd have to like get the pencil or whatever, use your finger to re- like get it all back into the cartridge and stuff. But hey, that's a sweet memory I got locked away that an MP3 would never give me. Street underscore junk thirteen said VHS players are my favorite, which is similar to the cassette, right? And to be clear, I don't mind the coloring that tape adds to things. I think that's really quite cool. But 
I'm a practical man, and when it involves me having to do anything to fix anything, I'm going to be a grumpist about it. And you don't have to do that really with MP3 and digital files. You just get to sit there and be a lazy piece of shit and enjoy your media. Come on, what more could you ask for? I'll read one more here. Montolio3117 said calling cards. 1-800-CALL-AT&T had my number memorized. No payphone ever stopped me. <laughs> yes, definitely the calling card. I feel like in this instance, different than what we've talked about before because calling cards themselves don't really exist anymore. These, these phone cards with minutes on them or whatever. Even have to, having to worry about minutes on a phone isn't as common. That It's still around, but it's not as much of a thing as it used to be. But all right, guys, thank you everybody who sent in a response to that. It was fun reading through them and reminiscing. I could sit here reading these all day. But yeah, since we read some of these messages from you guys, I'm going to skip the voice messages this week just because we had some community time here. If you would like to send in a voice message for me to play on the show, please send that into speakpipe.com slash dancing is forbidden. Or you can just check the link in the show notes. You know, your Aqua Teen origin story, how you found the show, any anecdotes you have about the show, whatever. I'd love to hear it and talk about it. Let's see what the heck was going on this week in our Aqua Teen Hunger Force timeline. PDA airing December 15th, 2002. And in the box office this week, get out of the way, Harry Potter. James Bond, put your gun down. We've got a new top dog this week. Made in Manhattan, starring Jennifer Lopez. A senatorial candidate falls for a hotel maid, thinking she is a socialite when he sees her trying on a wealthy woman's dress. Jennifer Lopez dusting away the competition this week, bringing in $18 million. And I think this might actually be the worst rated film that we've talked about so far because it only has a 5.3 out of 10 on IMDb and a 38% on Rotten Tomatoes. So, you know, I haven't really kept track of this, but looking at the numbers, that's pretty dang low. And I suspect this would be the lowest one, which, hey, Jennifer Lopez had to make her comeback on the podcast. If you've heard the earlier episodes, she was all over those. And she's back with a vengeance. Not a whole lot to say about Made in Manhattan, and I'm not sure it would really be worth it. Uh, maybe you've seen it. Maybe you haven't. This film was voted 35th among Britain's favorite rom-coms in 2018. So hey, if you're in the UK, maybe you like this one. In terms of shared cast and crew with Aqua Teen Hunger Force, there are actually four shared crew members here between the Aqua Teen Hunger Force colon movie film for theaters, the 2007 release, and this film, but they all work in the sound department. I think they all are employed, or rather were employed, by Skywalker Ranch. So I know some digital transfers were done there for Aquatine. So I'm not really going to go into them because they didn't really have an involved or hands-on role with the film. At least I assume so. So I'll just leave it there. But there are four shared crew members with, with both films, not with the Aquatine TV show. Moving on to TV news this week, on this exact day, animation for The Simpsons changes from cell animation to digital ink and paint. Coming into the new century, people, The Simpsons is no longer cell animated. It is digital, baby. And to clarify, some episodes previously had been digital, but this episode called The Great Louse Detective, which is season 14, episode 6 of The Simpsons, marks when every episode going forward is digital. Aqua Teen, of course, was digital from the start. Aqua Teen would not exist, I don't believe, if digital wasn't an option because of how they make the show and the only reason they could make the show was because it was so cheap thanks to digital technology. So people want to slam on digital. Oh, analog is better. Look, there are pros and cons to both, 
but you can't deny that without digital, Aquatine wouldn't even exist. Moving on to music, real quick here, everything is the same as last week. Our Billboard Hot number one single is Lose Yourself by Eminem. Our Billboard Hot number one album this week is Shania Twain's Up. And our Billboard alternative number one single is All My Life by Foo Fighters. So in order to talk about something here, I looked up what was the second hot song this week. And it was Missy Elliott's Work It. Is it worth it? Let me work it. I put my thing down, flip it and reverse it. It's your primitive and wet yet. It's your primitive and yet. If you got a big classic party song still being played to this day getting the booty shaken good song missy elliott so that's it for music um not a whole lot that's all right we we talk about music a lot on this podcast we can take a little break moving on to video games last week we talked about legend of zelda and let me tell you i got more zelda coming your way coming out this week in japan we have legend of zelda wind waker and we also have Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time coming to the GameCube. Ocarina of Time originally came out in 1998, I believe. So not a new game, but they're porting it to GameCube with something called the Master Quest, which is basically a second version of Ocarina of Time with rearranged dungeons, new content, all that kind of stuff. So it's an upgraded kind of Ocarina of Time brought to GameCube as well. But Wind Waker is a new game. Now, I have played Ocarina of Time on the 3DS I have not played the Master Quest yet. I, I want to play that at some point, but I haven't played Wind Waker. I had the opportunity because my buddy lent me his GameCube back in 2014, maybe, and he lent me the GameCube alongside Wind Waker, Twilight Princess, which comes out in 2006, the other Legend of Zelda game, and some Metroid games, I think. And I was playing through Twilight Princess, and then like a week later, he's like, oh, can I have my GameCube back? It's like, you give me four games. How am I supposed to play all these? So I played a bit of Twilight Princess and enjoyed that, but I didn't get to touch Wind Waker yet, which was a bummer. But looking through some footage, looks very fun. It's noted for being cartoonier graphics, cel-shaded graphics. But because of that, I feel like it really aged well. Those, those simple kind of graphic styles don't get lost to time as easily as things that try and look realistic. And I know the selling point of this game was people could ride around on a boat. That's kind of how you traveled between dungeons and stuff is my understanding. So two big games coming to the GameCube in Japan, of course. It would be a little while till it came to the rest of the world. I know lots of people have great feelings about Wind Waker. And we all know Ocarina of Time is a classic Zelda game and just video game in general. So that's really it for notable video games this week. Moving on, what is going on on Adult Swim this week? You just saw Made in Manhattan with your mom in theaters. It was all right. You're still listening to Lose Yourself 17 weeks in a row, and you're very jealous that Japan has the new Legend of Zelda, and you don't. What are you seeing on Adult Swim this Sunday? Like last week, we open with the Oblongs, this time with the episode Please Be Genital, not a new episode. 10.30 p.m., we have The Ripping Friends with Jimmy's Kidnapped, a new episode. 11 p.m. we have C-Lab 2021 with 7211, which is a new episode. So that's 7211, new episode. 1115, of course, Aqua Teen Hunger Force with this new episode PDA. 1130, we have the Brack Show with new episode Dinner Party. 1145, Space Goes Coast to Coast with Cahill. 12 a.m. midnight, we get home movies, improving your life with improv. And then 1230, we have Mission Hill with stories of hope and forgiveness or Day of the Jackass. So that's this Sunday on Adult Swim. We have four new episodes. And overall, again, another solid lineup. 
with the ripping friends in there and if anybody likes this show please let me know i again hadn't heard of it until i started doing this podcast so i'd be interested to know how you feel am i just shitting on this thing that you guys are like hey man i loved that when it was on fuck you just uh let me know if anybody is down with the ripping friends but all right that's this week in pop culture this week on adult swim guys are you ready to talk about this episode pda and feel sexy with it because i know i am <laughs> This week's episode brought to you by the Trenton Tar Pits, faithfully employing sex offenders since 1998. Come on down and get sexy with the captain. Additionally, this episode of Dancing is Forbidden, as always, brought to you by the wonderful patrons over at patreon.com slash dancing is forbidden, who are throwing some of their hard-earned money my way to help me continue to make the show. I'm happy to announce that I've been upgrading some of my gear in preparation for 2022 when we start season two of Aqua Teen. So yeah, if you would like to help make the show better and help support the show more than my measly target paycheck allows me to, again, patreon.com slash dancing is forbidden. And you're not just giving me money for nothing besides supporting the show, of course. At $1, you get a shout out on the show. For $5, you get access to the exclusive podcast I'm doing only for patrons, where I am covering other Adult Swim shows that aired the same week that the Aqua Teen episodes did in the same style, just so we can see what else was going on on Adult Swim at this period. That the $10 level, you get to vote on which episode I cover that week. And of course, when I'm covering those other shows, I'm trying to bring it back to Aqua Teen since that's what you guys are here for. You're here for the Aqua Teen. And yeah, just some new things on the horizon for 2022. I'm very excited about it when we start season two of Aqua Teen, but I don't want to make any announcements yet. We'll wait till the end of the year for that, but trying to get more Aqua Teen stuff in that Patreon feed. If you'd like to support the show, but can't do so financially, just sharing the show around definitely helps out a ton more than you would think. And last but not least, I want to mention how you can join our Discord for free. Check the show notes to join that. Discord is a free chatting app. And I'm planning to do some watch parties there at the end of the year. We're almost done with season one, guys. And I, I figured it'd be fun to pick some of my favorite season one episodes and try and get everybody together and check those out. Just have a good time together. So, hey, let's have a good time with PDA, huh? Thanks for listening to my sales pitch. Let's check out what the Aqua Teens are up to. No, you don't have parents. Premieres next Sunday at 11.15 on Adult Swim. PDA premiering December 15th, 2002 with a TV PG DLV rating. This is for Dialogue, Language, and Violence. And it now airs with a TV 14 rating, which I think is probably right because my speculation here is during the Trenton Tar Pit scenes, the captain is infamously very horny, and I think that's the correct call to bump it up to a 14 based on what he's saying, as well as Frylock referencing seeing a condom in that scene and all this stuff. So I, I think that's really why I got bumped up, rightfully so, to a 14 over a PG. This episode featuring two new voice actors to the show, we have Todd Berry, famous comedian, my favorite comedian of all time, as well as Vishal Roney who was a producer on Aqua Teen, Space Ghost, and 12 Ounce Mouse, amongst other shows. So we'll get into each of these guys as they appear on the episode. Just want to mention them here so we have that to look forward to. Off the top, I'm going to say it, man. This is one of my favorite Aqua Teen episodes, so let's dive right in. Of course, we open to a Dr. Weird skit. Dr. Weird telling Steve to behold, he has lost weight. 
And then we see that his method of doing so was using a chainsaw to chop off his skin and pieces of his body. Quite violent. The visual of it isn't too gruesome, but still pretty gross. So let's listen to that real quick, and then we'll talk about it more on the other side. Gentlemen, behold, I have lost weight. Hey, looking good. Yes, uh, all sugars gone. Manually with this. <laughs> okay, uh, I think I'm going to go lunch. I need to lose 20 more pounds or I'll never be free. <laughs> I love how initially Steve is like, oh, looking good. And then Dr. Weird has to tell him that he was chopping parts of his body off with a chainsaw. And that's when Steve gets weirded out. But Steve should have been able to see his skeleton legs. Basically, Dr. Weird's legs are just skeleton legs. You know, it's just bone, I guess. And we see parts of his uh, dress or whatever you want to call his outfit cut up on the ground as well. And he grabs the chainsaw to cut off more. And we get this particle effect that's just little red dots just flying out from the impact site, for lack of a better term. And seeing that particle effect just gives me huge nostalgia for these early 2000 flash games that i used to play that had these kinds of particle effects so if you're around my age around 28 or older check that out you might really get some nostalgia vibes from that too but i really like this opening it's very silly again silly that steve at first said looking good and he had to be told that dr weird was cutting parts of his body off you know he he just should have been able to see it and dr weird just goes back to cutting more off and that's when we cut to the intro Worth pointing out here that, of course, this Dr. Weird skit has nothing to do with the Aqua Teen episode. Moving on to the episode proper, we open up to the Aqua Teen's house and we see on the left side of the gutter, there are some things thrown up there. We can't make out what they are. But before we even get a chance to think about that, the Aqua Teen's recliner comes flying through the window and Shake is on a rampage right now. He's very pissed off. So let's find out why he's so angry and why he just threw the recliner a.k.a. his bed, through the window. Where the hell is it? Now, what the? They look good right there. It was decorative. It made some drapes on <laughs> Don't the you play dumb. You know why I had to do that. Now go outside and get it. Tell me again, why did you have to do that, Shade? Someone stole my PDA, and I will ruin this house with my anger! Since when do you have a personal digital assistant? You didn't get my wireless email? <laughs> Go get that chair! Look, Shake, people usually get a PDA when they have a job and friends and a life. Well, listen to me, you have no idea what I happen to do for a, for a living. you damn right I don't. I saw you boil a hot dog today. Did you get paid for that? Because I don't have access to my scheduling book. Because my PDA's gone. Okay, here's our chair. Yeah. Now you go get it again and get it right this okay, time. Okay, okay, just calm down, all right? I'm sure it's around here somewhere. I mean, where else could it be? Hmm. We hear that Shake lost his PDA, which is a personal digital assistant. And right away, this is funny because why does Shake need a PDA, right? He doesn't do anything. He seemingly doesn't work. Why is his life in a state to where he needs a digital assistant to help him out to plan his day? Now, taking a step back... PDAs are obviously outdated, right? They're not really a thing anymore. They have been utterly and completely replaced by the smartphone. So if you're unaware of what a PDA is, it was basically a handheld computer that you can use to schedule events, meetings, and stuff for yourself and send emails and stuff like that. 
they were very underpowered computers, basically. So fun how last week with Interfection, we got all these old pop-ups, which are very much antiquated now. And then here we get PDAs, which again are very outdated. Another funny reference here by today's standards is when Frylock asks Shake, since when do you have a personal digital assistant? Shake says, you didn't get my wireless email? And it's just weird to hear wireless email because now I would reckon a majority of emails are sent wirelessly through phones. But at the time, saying wireless email, this was like a cool high-tech kind of term, right? Sending it wirelessly? Holy shit. So moving back to the episode, Shake is blaming Meatwad for misplacing his PDA. Frylock is angry that Shake is causing a scene. You know, he, he threw the chair outside, broke the window. He's having a meltdown over something that Frylock knows Shake doesn't even have, you know, because they live together. So obviously Frylock has a bit of an idea of what Shake is up to on a daily basis. For example, today he boiled a hot dog and that's about all he did. Shake, however, says the only reason that he hasn't done anything else is because he can't find his PDA. So he doesn't know what he has to do. And it makes you wonder, you know, if he's just making this up to save face or if he genuinely believes this. But at the same time, we know he didn't have a PDA. So it's just very hilarious how full of himself he is and how willing he is to make these things up. While this conversation between Shake and Frylock is going on, Meatwad is pulling the chair back inside for Shake, which is really nice of Meatwad to do. And then Shake just flips the chair over, telling Meatwad, now you go get it again and get it right this time. But it's funny because before he was able to throw the chair out the window, this time he can barely muster flipping it over in the living room. Towards the end of that clip, Frylock is humoring Shake at this point. He's like, just calm down. I'm sure it's around here somewhere. Where else could it be? So let's see where Shake thinks it could be, if not the living room. Well, I know yesterday I was tracking alien footprints in the Adirondacks. <laughs> right. I had it. I set it down on the stump to meet their leader and kill him once I found his plan about taking over the earth. But then I picked it back up. Hmm. I know I had it then. And you're sure about all this? <laughs> yes. To the Adirondacks! Got who put this chair here? That's Shake tripping over the chair as he's running out, saying, who put this chair here? Because Shake himself knocked it over. It was his own fault that he fell over, which is great. Shake claims that he was in the Adirondacks tracking alien footprints, and then he put the PDA down on a stump to meet their leader and kill him once Shake found out his plan about taking over the Earth. But he assures them he picked the PDA back up after that. First of all, I want to back up here. He found out the alien was trying to take over the Earth. Well, that's exactly what the Plutonians were trying to do, and kind of like what the Moonanites were trying to do, and Shake did fucking nothing about any of that. So funny that in this scenario, he, he thinks he's a tough guy, but they have ran into aliens with this exact plan, and he did nothing. He just complained at them, basically. Anyways, the Adirondacks are mountains in northeastern upstate New York. So geographically speaking, it's possible that Shake came here from New Jersey. According to Google, it is a five and a half hour car ride from New Jersey to the Adirondacks. Although it is over 110 hours walking, which I'm sure that's how Shake would have had to get there. But it, it is possible, all things considered. These aren't mountains in like India or something. It, it's not too far from New Jersey. Of course, all this, assuming he actually went there, which we could assume he didn't, right? So far. So let's head over to the Adirondacks and see if they can find the PDA. Okay. Um, when I was saying the Adirondacks... 
I think what I was referring to was those really nice chairs that I was looking at in that catalog. So you've never <laughs> been here in your life. What? If I got him, you know you'd sit in him. So Shake caught in his own lie here. He's saying, oh, instead of actually being at this physical place, I think I was talking about some chairs I saw in a catalog. Just insanely nonsensical and completely hilarious. I love that so much. So Shake himself here admitting that he was lying, right? We could assume he was because how the hell would he even get there by himself? And we know it's not in his nature to try and kill an alien who wants to take over the Earth because he has never tried to do that so far. However, Meatwad finds some alien tracks. They look like kind of giant chicken footprints with some sort of radioactive material glowing around them. There's also some trees that are knocked down around the footprint path. So that kind of leads into question, like, was Shake telling the truth a little bit? It's hard to know. And the only reason I think that is because, spoiler, at the end of the episode, he's going on about this character, Romulox, who we assume he's making up, right? There's no way he's telling the truth about this person he's talking about. Turns out Romulox is real. So that's what kind of makes me question what exactly is going on here, because while it seems like he's lying here, he ended up kind of being correct about the alien footprints. And then we think he was lying about Romulox, but Romulox was actually real. So not to get too ahead of ourselves, let's back up to this current scene. In terms of the visuals here, it's just kind of a foresty mountain area. There's not a whole lot to discuss. Let's see where Meatwad discovers the alien footprints. Oh, check those out. Oh my goodness. Oh no way, is that my thing? Did you find it? I think this <laughs> is an actual alien footprint. Are you, what are you serious? Come on, <laughs> let's go. Shake, we need to track these. Shake, meet one. Awesome. At the end of the clip, you could hear Frylock getting stomped on repeatedly by this giant chicken foot, this purple chicken foot. At least that's the closest thing I can relate it to. So Meatwad finds those footprints. Shake is like, oh, is that my PDA? Did you find it? And then they go over there and there's actual alien footprints. Shake just kind of freaks out and instantly leaves. So that lends more to the fact that he made this up completely because like we predicted, when he's actually confronted with aliens, he either doesn't care about them or he gets scared and leaves. And we heard him start up a car and drive away. So it's established here that Shake can drive and that they drove up here. We haven't seen them drive a car yet, which they'll get to later in the series. But yeah, I think this is our first time that it's implied that the Aqua Teens can actually drive a car. Because up until now, we've just seen them in the danger cart. So kind of funny that they had Meatwad pull them from New Jersey down to Tennessee in Bus of the Undead to see Dracula's grave. But when they're going to upstate New York, which is less than half the time in terms of driving and walking, then they drive. Anyways, yeah, that's that clip. They find the alien footprints and then Shake and Meatwad take off, ditching Frylock, leaving him behind to be repeatedly squashed by the giant alien foot. Moving on to our next scene, we instantly cut to Carl's backyard to his pool and Frylock flies up and he just looks awful because he's been squished so many times. He has Fry sticking out the side of his box. He has a black eye. He just looks awful. So he comes up to talk to Shake about it. <laughs> how you doing? Oh, hey yourself, buddy. Hey, by the way, thanks for leaving me back there with those alien guys. I mean, you know how I love getting stepped on. Look, I, can't, I mean, those are the brakes, right? <laughs> those are the brakes. So not a whole lot to say about that. Just setting us up for later in the scene now. Frylock is going to see why Shake is back here by Carl's pool. 
there is some sort of drowning torture device set up here. We have the same rent-a-hoist we saw in the episode Bad Replicant during the Dr. Weird skit. Dr. Weird was being held upside down via a rent-a-hoist. This is the same exact one, and it is being used to hoist a cage into Carl's pool. And this cage has meat wad in it. What is this, a torture device? What? <laughs> Oh, come on! We're looking for my thing! Together! We're like birds! <laughs> it's cool! Hey, you fly. You go. Why don't you go check the gutters? But why would it be up in the gutter, Shake? That's where your DVD burner ended up when it decided not to work. Oh, I damn sure better not find that up there. Well, that's the last place I remember checking it. We get this top-down shot into the pool where we see Meatwad in the cage, and I feel like this angle, this shot, is so unlike anything in Aqua Teen we usually see. It reminds me of in Bus of the Undead when we see Frylock flying really high up, and we see this weird shot of their house on the inside. That's what this reminds me of. This shot is something that we don't really see in Aqua Teen, it feels like. Just, I don't know. I'm sure if you see it, you'll know what I mean. It's just kind of strange and not a perspective we usually get. And I think that's because of how limited the show is. We don't usually get a lot of different kinds of shots. It's usually both characters facing the camera and that's it. So when we get this different perspective, this top-down view, it's just, you know, we don't see Meatwad from this angle much at all. This might even be the only time you really see him like that. So it's kind of strange and striking when we see him from the top down. Shake claims that they're just looking for the PDA together, that they're just having fun, of course, as you would expect Shake to brush this off as to Frylock, and he changes the subject saying, hey, you can fly. Can you go check the gutters? Maybe my PDA is up there. And Frylock's like, well, why would it be up there? And Shake's like, well, that's where your DVD burner ended up when it didn't work. So that's a callback to at the beginning of this episode, we saw a bunch of stuff in their gutters and that explains why. Shake is just throwing stuff up there randomly and Frylock is going to fly up there and check it. And while Frylock does so, Shake hoists Meatwad out of the water. I know you have it. Now where did you put it? <laughs> or are you enjoying the briny deep? Well, I told you that I did not taste it. Yeah, sure. You'll talk. Wait a minute, I told you. They all talk sooner or later. So Shake just torturing Meatwad, accusing him of taking the PDA, even though this PDA probably never even existed. In fact, we're, we're really sure it never existed. He has it in his mind, and it's hard to know if he even knows at this point if it existed or not, if he's believing his own lies. I was thinking about the coughs that Meatwad had when he came up and just imagined what it would be like for Dave Willis to record those, you know, because he's, he's speaking in this weird voice, but when you have to do other things like a cough, which doesn't use your normal voice, you know, I wonder how difficult that was for him or if they just pitched up other coughs. I'm not entirely sure. You also get a bit of room tone from Dave Willis as he's yelling as Meatwad, which, you know, you tend to get when voice actors are yelling. Shake drops Meatwad back into the water because Meatwad doesn't tell Shake where the PDA is because there is no PDA. And then Shake says, oh, he'll talk. They always talk. So Frylock comes back because he finds his DVD burner in the gutter and he's mad about it. And I want to point out first that in this shot, because it pulls back and we see Frylock in the distance flying high looking in the gutters. And it's one of these rare shots where we see Frylock just flying high up in the sky, which we don't see a lot. And again, would solve a lot of their issues, especially in the episode Dumber Dolls, when Shake is stuck on the side of a mountain. Frylock could have just flown there and gotten him. But yeah, here, here we see him flying up to the gutters and looking in them and he's just really high in the sky. Hey, damn it! 
you did throw my DVD burner up here. Look, next time try buying one that works. <gasps> oh my God, pull him up, he's turning blue. You know you baby him too much? He needs to learn the importance of telling the truth, Frylock. Oh Get him out God. of this damn cage. Now where is it, little man? Meatwad, can you hear me? Meatwad! We'll go in your room next. One, Does that two, scare you three. when I said that? Hmm? One, Think fast. Three. <laughs> Come on, Meatwad. One, two, All right. Three. Well, One, I guess two, I'm satisfied three. then. Breathe, damn it. Meatwad, his face is like a dark blue. It's really scary. He, he seems really close to death here. And I just realized while watching this that so much of this show only works because they're food products. In 2002 especially, if you had a human treating a smaller probably mentally disabled human like this that would not fly but when you see master shake he's just glaring down at meatwad yelling at him it's just funny just the visual is really hilarious you know seeing this this cup this angry milkshake looking down yelling that in itself just allows you to get away with so much more and that reminds me of the space ghost coast to coast episode i covered on the patreon feed where Space Ghost keeps hitting Zorak in the head with a wrench. If he was hitting another human in the head with a wrench, I think they would have gotten in trouble for that. But, but since Space Ghost was hitting a giant mantis in the head with a wrench, it's not as bad. Master Shake thinks that he is correct in doing this. He's trying to teach Meatwad a lesson about telling the truth. But obviously this isn't true. Frylock takes Meatwad out of the cage and starts performing CPR. This is kind of a dramatic scene here. But luckily, the CPR works and Meatwad spits out the water and regains consciousness. Get him away from me! I'll make a deal with you. You come clean with me right now, <laughs> and I won't bring your parents into this. Parents? Shake, you need to stop this right now. Meatwad doesn't have it. I have some parents now? <laughs> Hell no, you don't have parents. <laughs> Meatwad, Meatwad, Meatwad. Look, I mean, you may, you may, you probably do. I don't know, maybe... <laughs> Something just so funny about Meatwad revving up his crying. Like he sits there and kind of thinks about it for a second. He doesn't instantly start crying, really. It seems more calculated, which to me is funnier. Meatwad's sad that he just had the prospect of having parents just to have it taken away from him. So that upsets him. And back to Shake putting Meatwad in the water. I feel like this is the cruelest thing he has done to Meatwad at this point, at least physically speaking, because I don't believe that Meatwad has almost died yet from Shake's antics. So I guess that's kind of something to mark down and we'll see where Shake takes it next in future episodes. So anyways, Meatwad seems more upset about not having parents. Frylock is trying to console him and say, oh, I don't know, maybe you have parents. I have no idea. And then at the same time here, Master Shake is about to set off some sort of stick of dynamite, I suppose. It looks like a giant M80 firecracker. He's holding it and he's about to light it. So we'll cut to that. You'll hear a second of Meatwad crying still because of the talk over, but as soon as this is established that Shake is going to set off this M80 or dynamite or whatever it is, Meatwad instantly stops crying and the scene moves on to that of Frylock having to talk him out of doing this. What are you doing? I'm going to have to blow this thing apart. Wait, wait a minute, Shake. <laughs> just look, just calm down, all right? All right, it's not that serious. But my scheduling, I need to access my database and see if I'm on schedule. Look, look at me, I don't Shake. know. <laughs> Come on, please, please, Shake. We don't need this. I like you right. This is crazy. What am I doing? It'll turn up somewhere. Won't it be funny? I'm surprised I didn't have it in a pocket somewhere. <laughs> Except I got no pocket. <laughs> It'll turn up. 
Shake having almost a mental breakdown about to explode the entire pool looking for his PDA, which doesn't make sense. Like he thinks that you can, you can see what's in the pool, right? The water is clear. You can see through it. Doesn't make sense, but it's a fun direction to take that scene in because me watch is crying and that gets old kind of quickly. So they move away to shake threatening to explode them all for his PDA. Frylock talks him out of it. And, and this part is shocking because Shake's just like, yeah, you're right. It'll turn up. And she's like, what is going on here? This is not like Aqua Teen. And we get this nice piano music and it pulls out. We see the Aqua Teens leaving Carl's backyard, <laughs> leaving the rent-a-hoist there for Carl to deal with, I assume. They leave the backyard and then it turns from day to night. We get kind of a uh, time lapse and then we see Carl's pool explode and Shake running away. And I totally forgot this happened. So when I was watching this for this podcast, I was, again, I was genuinely shocked that, that it ended this way. I'm like, well, this is an Aqua Teen Hunger Force. And sure enough, <laughs> Master Shake goes back just to explode it. He cannot shy away from his impulses. So yes, Carl's pool just exploded. I'll play some of that sound effect. And then Shake runs back inside to talk to Frylock about it, who was angry that Shake just did that. Well, it wasn't there, but I had to know. <laughs> That's the only way that Shake could find out. It's like he had, I don't know, some kind of compulsive disorder. He had to know and take it to the absolute ultimate extreme to figure out what was going on, where if his PDA was there or not. Also, after the explosion, we see Carl's light turns on too, which is a nice touch. And I like it because we'll actually go back to that later in the episode. Oh my God, I'm having so much fun with this episode. I love this episode so much. So going forward... We cut to Shake sleeping and we get a, a nice detail here of Shake is sleeping just on the floor. That's where he sleeps right now, on the floor of the living room, even though he brought his recliner back inside. But yeah, we see he's sleeping on the floor. We can see the tile from the kitchen next to the floor. So we know it's the living room. This is something you might not even pick up on if you're not paying attention because it's so zoomed into his face. You kind of have to be looking for it. I didn't even notice it until now. Like, wait a second, where is he sleeping? You, you kind of have to actively be looking for it. But yes, Shake sleeping on the floor in the living room, having a bad dream, it seems. But the dream leads him to some clues of where his PDA might be. Romulux! The Trenton Tar Pits! That's where he is! <laughs> Shake, again, believing his random wild fantasies. He said before it was in the Anirandacks. And when they got there, he's like, oh, actually, I was thinking about a chair I saw in a catalog. So surprisingly, in our next scene here, we cut right to the Trenton Tar Pits. Trenton being the capital of New Jersey. But to my knowledge, there are no tar pits there. This is just kind of them dunking on Trenton, I suppose, saying that there's so much tar that they have glass bottom boat rides for it. Tar pits actually a real thing, although if they do glass bottom boat rides for them, I, I don't know. I don't because uh, the joke here is like you wouldn't see anything because tar is so thick. You can't see through it, right? It would just be dark. Anyways, moving ahead, we have a lot of scenery to describe. So our establishing shot opens to we see at the bottom of the frame a dock and then there's a sign that says welcome to Trenton Tar Pits glass bottom boat rides four dollars. That's not a bad price. And on the top left of the sign, there's a tire with a face. It's like a cartoonized tire. It has a hat on it. It's smiling. And then there's a scuba diver on the right side who looks kind of realistic, which is quite funny. And 
Behind all that, we see a big field of tar. And between that and the background, we see a bunch of tires on land. And then, yeah, the background is just all oil refineries, it looks like. Just just industrial buildings and whatnot. So definitely a disgusting sight to open to. It does not look like a great place. And then we pan over to a submarine or rather the glass bottom boat that the Aqua Teens will be in. And it's just a sub, what looks like. And on the dock, we can see a fish that appears to be cut in half or just ripped in half. And you see its organs hanging out, which is really gross and a funny, unnecessary touch. Like, why is there even a fish here? It doesn't live in the, in the tar. So somebody brought it there and ripped it in half and threw it down. Anyways, connected to the sub. The sub, by the way, has Trenton tar pits on it. There is a boat steering wheel, I guess. I can't think of the name for what you would use to drive a boat. You know, the, the big pirate ship kind of steering wheel with with the rods that you can grasp onto on it and it's a sub and it's just disgusting there is filth and grime all over it but on the back we can see there are some of those colorful triangle flags like they're trying to brighten it up so those flags are the only bit of actual popping color in this entire muted gray and brown world it's disgusting So that establishing shot goes by pretty quickly because we are soon transported into the submarine where we see the Aqua Teens. It's all rusted over and there is graffiti all over the place. I'm sure I'll read some things off soon, but not a lot of it seems that notable. There's not really any jokes, it seems like, on first glance. It's just a lot of names and probably inside jokes between people working on the show. But there's some litter on the ground too, some chicken bones and food scraps. It's just a dingy, nasty place, just like the outside of the submarine was. And to complement all this nasty, gross scenery, we have an equally gross captain who is speaking over the intercom, voiced here wonderfully by Dave Willis. So that's enough talking. Let's jump to this iconic scene of Aqua Teen Hunger Force, one of my favorites. Let's check it out. Hi, this is your captain speaking. Welcome to the glass bottom boat ride at the world famous Trenton Tar Pits. I just want to let you know I'm a convicted sex offender. Of course we're not going to move. We're in tar for crying out loud. Tar? Well, I tell you, if I want to smell like a singer, I go up on the roof and get my frisbee and my tank top and my Captain E.R. out of the gutter. Yeah, he's right, Shake. Why are we here? Natural All will be revealed if you just listen to the captain. Uh-oh, ladies and gentlemen. Hang on to the handrail, folks. We're entering some choppy tar. <laughs> I hope our ship will hold together. This is the worst I think I've ever encountered. Okay, here we go. Great way for the captain to start this speech saying, I just want to let you know I'm a convicted sex offender. Doesn't make any sense he has to say that. It seems like he chooses to say that because it's not like he's moving you know, into a neighborhood or something like that. So very, very off the cuff and hilarious and sets the tone for this whole scene. Meatwad is complaining about what kind of boat this is because it's not even moving and drops the great line of, if I wanted to smell like a shingle, I'll go up on the roof and get my Frisbee and my tank top and my Captain EO out of the gutter. First of all, love the visual of Meatwad in a tank top. Always. Secondly, I had to look up Captain EO because I'm not familiar with it. Captain EO is a 1986 American 3D science fiction short film that was shown at Disney theme parks from 1986 through 1998. And the movie stars Michael Jackson. So I suppose Meatwad's Captain EO would be like a Michael Jackson figurine as Captain EO. After Meatwad and Shakes back and forth, you hear this paltry alarm go off and the captain, who is not sounding surprised or shocked at all, says that they're entering some choppy tar 
I hope our ship will hold together. This is the worst I think I've ever encountered. But he's so nonchalantly saying it that, you know, it, it, it's just really bad acting. This is supposed to happen. We, we will see exactly why the boat is rocking because it doesn't make sense that it would rock. They're not moving in the tar, of course. So we cut to outside of the submarine and we actually get a different angle here. And what's impressive is this is an entirely new drawing. This isn't 3D animation. They actually had to redraw this area. So we see the fish on the dock and we see a different angle of this tar pit, which I'm really surprised that they did that. I'm surprised they didn't just try and jimmy on to the existing artwork for this scene. But really what's going on is there's this device with a giant basically plunger on the end, like a toilet plunger that is attached to the boat. And it just moves the boat up and down. It rocks it this way. It's very janky looking. And yeah, I'm just really shocked that they had an entirely new art piece made for this little section here. They could have easily, I think, just jimmied on to the existing artwork, but I suppose there's a reason they didn't. So I, sh I shouldn't say that they easily could have, because if they easily could have, I'm sure they would have. So let's go back to this scene and get some more information on what is going on to the boat in this storyline here. Obviously, we can see there is nothing happening. This is manufactured. And the funny part is boarding the submarine, you would see this contraption hooked up to the submarine. So you would expect, you know, that it's going to move in this fashion because of the giant machine connected to it. But yeah, let, let's see what the captain says is happening. Oh, no, ladies and gentlemen, now we're being attacked. See? Look to your left over the tarbert side. <laughs> giant microscopic tar monster. He's a tar monster. I told you. I guess I'm going to have to get out and fight them, ladies and gentlemen. Wish you didn't believe me, did you? <laughs> there ain't nothing over here but tar and a condom wrapper. This is gross. Okay, I'm back. And we're safe, ladies and gentlemen. They won't be bothering us anymore. <laughs> I chased them off with my nudity. <laughs> Does that arouse anyone down there? <laughs> the captain reveals that they're being attacked by giant microscopic tar monsters, which is a great play there. Giant microscopic. So that's why you can't see them because they're microscopic, but they're bigger than they should be. And they are attacking the ship. Also love the captain saying tarbird side, like starbird side, which is a real boat term, but not tarbird side. Very fun play on words though. Captain reveals he's going to have to get out and fight the giant microscopic tar monsters. And he successfully does by scaring them off with his nudity and asks if that arouses anybody <laughs> in the submarine. And meanwhile, Frolic is just complaining. He says, there's nothing out there but tar and a condom wrapper. This is gross. Outside the window, we see like a dead fish skeleton, all sorts of nasty stuff out there. So again, just a gross scene and a really, really dumb attraction. I really love the captain character here. I wish that they would have brought him back just being this perverted guy that you never actually see. He asks if his nudity arouses anyone in the submarine chamber, I guess. So let's jump back in there because Meatwad is about to ask what that means. What does that mean? It means we're <laughs> going to get off this boat right now. Look, we just read the information panel, please. You'll see it. Yeah. Tar monsters, huh? Hey, how do I know if I'm aroused? Hush, he's reading. <laughs> hey, how do I know if I'm aroused? I also forgot to mention I like when the captain says, wish me luck, when he was about to fight the microscopic giant tar monsters, and Meatwad says, good luck, captain, <laughs> just out loud to himself. I just love that kind of humor that Meatwad brings. 
Although, of course, Meatwad wasn't being humorous, he was being sincere, which is cute and funny. At the end of that clip, while Meatwad was talking and asking how does he know if he's aroused, Master Shake tells Meatwad to shush because Frolic is reading, which is a great kind of callback to Interfection when he tells Meatwad he has to be quiet because the computer needs to do a web search and Meatwad will mess it up if he's talking. So kind of the same logic here, although perhaps because Shake can't really read, he's having Frylock read the information panel. He legitimately thinks being quiet will help Frylock. Regardless, the information panel doesn't have very much information on it at all. Tar, Mother Nature's phlegm. Well, well, what, <laughs> is, what does it say in there about the monsters? It doesn't mm? say nothing. That's it. <laughs> because they don't want you to know about them. Now, I've had a long-standing rivalry with the tar creatures and the tar leader, Romulox, who is a son <laughs> of a... He, he's always trying to copy me. Okay, <laughs> and we've docked. And I feel a little sexy. Come on, Shake, let's go. Romulox, I know you're in there. And if I find out you got my PDA, are you going to be in trouble, boy? Come on, Shake. <laughs> who down there wants to meet the captain? No, you don't. The information panel just says Tar, Mother Nature's Phlegm, view Tar here with an arrow pointing towards one of the windows, and that's it. And before we leave this scene, I'll, I'll come back to the graffiti. I'm not going to read any of it. It's just names, really. I, I'm sure that there's some joke in there that we could talk about, but everything I've seen so far, it's just names. So I'll skip over that. Master Shake talks about how he's had a long-standing rivalry with the tar creatures and their tar leader, Romulox. And interesting here how Dana Snyder keeps swapping between Romulox and Romulux, like L-U-X versus L-O-X. It's spelled L-O-X, so I assume it's Romulox. But Shake says he's always trying to copy me, which doesn't make sense, but something tells me that we're about to get some resolution to that. This talk of Master Shake not liking that Romulox is copying him reminds me of being a teenager specifically. There was a friend in my group who liked the lighter edge of metal music, and I was into actual heavier metal music, and he would just look at the bands I liked and then buy band shirts for those bands and stuff. Like he's copying me. He doesn't even listen to them, which even though that was true in you know as an adult now it's like who fucking cares? Like I spend so much time distraught over the dumbest bullshit and that's exactly what Shake is worried about here even though at this moment it seems like he's just making all of this up. Captain comes on again saying, "Okay, we've docked and I feel a little sexy. Who down there wants to meet the captain and feel sexy with him?" Meatwad says, "Oh, I do. I want to meet the captain." There's just something so inherently funny about Meatwad wanting to get sexy he doesn't know if he's aroused they just bring some sexuality into this meatball character who acts like a child it just makes no sense and again back to them being food products if he was an actual child or adult with the mental capacity of a child then this wouldn't work it would be unacceptable almost but since it's a meatball it works and it just highlights the absurdity before the aqua teens head out and we leave that scene for good shake says romulox i know you're in there and if I find out you've got my PDA, are you going to be in trouble, boy? So that's it. Shake leaving a threat for Romulox. This character who we assume at this point, Master Shake is just making up. So we cut to the Aqua Teens in the danger cart. Here, you know, it's like, why are they in the danger cart if it's established that they can at least rent a car and drive? But yes, we have Miwad pulling the danger cart with screws in his head, connecting him to the danger cart. And Frylock has a plastic bag in his hands. I wonder what's in the bag. And speaking of Frylock, he's not even in the danger cart, okay? He's floating alongside it, meaning Meatwad has to put these rusty screws in his head to pull the danger cart just so that Shake doesn't have to walk. I'm surprised Frylock lets this slide. I wanted to make that top. 
So just a short clip there, and then they get to the house, and Frylock reveals what was in the bag. It is a paper planner, which is really thoughtful and sweet of Frylock. It's from the Trenton Tar Pits. He got it at the gift shop, and it says that on the front. So let's dive into this scene. Here you go, Shake. What is this? I got it at the gift shop. It's a PAA, Personal Analog Assistant. <laughs> and it's got the tar pits on the cover so you can remember your imaginary friend, Romulox. How's it uh, sync up with the computer? Well, it doesn't. You kind of have to write your own dates in. Oh, gee whiz! This is the greatest present I ever had in my whole life that I never wanted ever. I'll just break out the GPS track and I'll... Oh, I just remembered it doesn't have it. It doesn't even have a map in here. All that's in here is paper. If I wanted that, right. I'd chop right. down a bunch Fine. of trees in the rainforest. You don't want it? Give it to me. I'll use it. No. Nobody will have it. <laughs> that is Shake throwing the planner up into the gutter with all the other crap he's thrown up there throughout the day. So let's jump back into the scene with this short little clip where they walk inside while Shake keeps complaining. Hey, Frylock, you know, I could have played Tetris, but I'd have to animate it page <laughs> by page and make a flip book. So that's them walking inside. Master Shake saying he could play Tetris, but he had to animate it page by page. I was pretty big into Tetris for like a week when Tetris 99 came out on the Nintendo Switch, which is they turned it into like a battle royale kind of thing. It was you kind of kind of attack people by building up combos and stuff. It was really fun, but I never got super good at it. I always wanted to be good at it. But I'm like, yeah, if I'm going to get good at a game, I'll get good at a different game. But I have a buddy who's super good at Tetris. So sometimes when we're all hanging out, I'll be like, dude, just play Tetris so we can watch. And both of our partners will be like, oh, don't do that. Come on. But I love it. I love to watch him play because he he wins like a lot of the time. He's really good at it. And it's fun watching these Tetris champions just instantly snap to pieces and they're super quick and all this stuff. It's really, really fun. So if you have a Nintendo Switch with the online subscription, you can play that. Also, if you have Xbox Game Pass, I believe there's something on there called Tetris Effect, which is Tetris with really cool visual effects, and it syncs to the music and stuff. It's really cool. Lots of cool stuff being done with Tetris these days. Simple, addictive game, just being made better and better. Anyways, as Shake is being an asshole to Frylock, who got him this thoughtful gift, they are walking inside while Shake just keeps going off about it, and then they see somebody standing there, and it is none other than Romulox. So I can't go on without describing what Romulox looks like. He is, of course, a tar monster. His head is split into a V, and he has a little French mustache. He looks kind of angry. He has elf ears. One of the ears has two gold earrings on it. He is then wearing an orange bikini top and then a pink bikini bottom. And then he has these cool looking yellow gloves on. And then he has a little green phone in his pocket with an earpiece going up into his ear that does not have the earrings on it. His feet are kind of like tree stump looking things too. I don't know that we actually see him walk. So you don't see them split apart or anything like that. And of course, even though he's wearing a bikini, he does not have a feminine body. He's a big bulky guy. So it's very silly looking. So let's check out this first encounter with Romulox, and after that we will talk about the amazing Todd Berry supplying this voice that makes the character a thousand times funnier. Romulox! You! Oh, hey. Yeah, it's me. What's the problem? <laughs> who the hell is this? Tell him who you are, Romulox! <laughs> and hey! Oh, nice gloves! Wherever did you get those? Excuse me, I'm on the phone. <laughs> oh, jeez, I'm sorry. Well, I didn't see you. You know, let me get back to you. I've got some subhumans here. Video phone me, alright, buddy? I'll be at the Ten Seasons. You got it, babe. Excuse me, what are you doing in our house? Look, now that was a phone call. I'm sure you've had one, but I get them all the time. 
So yes, Todd Berry, my favorite comedian of all time. I have listened to his stand-up albums countless amounts of times because typically when I go to bed, I'll put on a comedy album, a stand-up album, and listen to that to fall asleep. It's enough to keep my mind engaged. But since I've heard the albums I listen to a thousand times, they don't keep me awake. I'm not like, oh, what's going to happen next? Because I've heard all the jokes, so I'm not going to miss anything. So I just follow along until I pass out in a comedy stupor. Todd Berry, my number one choice for this. Other comedians I like would be Mitch Hedberg, Gary Goleman, Nick Vatteratz, Bill Hicks, and David Cross. I think those are the main guys that I listen to, but I'm sure there's some other people. Emo Phillips, too, is one that I love. Anyways, yes, Todd Berry here. And this isn't a voice he's putting on. This is like his speaking voice. This is his stand-up voice. Very condescending and funny. I have not had the pleasure of seeing him live yet. I was going to see him before COVID, but then COVID happened. He had to cancel his show. He did come back to Minnesota recently, but I just don't feel comfortable sitting in a theater with other people at the moment. Partly because of COVID, partly because I just hate traveling. I hate being in a room with a lot of people. So <laughs> kind of all these things go hand in hand. But I did see him for his very first crowd work show on Zoom. So Todd Berry, master of comedy, very, very incredibly sharp, quick-witted. And he did a Zoom crowd work show, which is all the audience was on Zoom. If you wanted to participate, you could have your camera on and he would have the people hosting it pick somebody. They'd bring them up on the Zoom and he would talk to you and roast you, basically make fun of you, but not in like a cruel, mean way, just a really smart, clever way. And I didn't get picked for that, which I, I don't know. It, it, was, it was a bittersweet feeling every time because when they're picking, you're like, oh, don't pick me, don't pick me. And then when they pick somebody, you're like, oh, man, I wish they picked me. And, and this went on the entire night. But I was just blown away by how funny this guy is off the cuff. He's not telling written jokes. He's just talking to people and finding incredible comedy from those situations. He has a stand-up album of all crowd work, and he also has that available on DVD as well. So you can see the show, which is a lot of fun. Definitely check out Todd's comedy. But he's done more than comedy. He was really involved with a lot of these early adult swim shows. Of course, I kind of talked about him before when I was covering Saddle Rash, the one-off pilot that Adult Swim had in 2002 that Todd was in. But he went on to, besides being an Aqua Teen in this episode, he was in an episode of Home Movies. He was in a ton of Lucy, Daughter of the Devil. He, he did a lot of voices on that show. He went on to be in the Egg Ball episode of Aqua Teen too. So he wasn't just Romulox. And then he was in Delocated as well as Squidbillies. So Todd Berry was all over early Adult Swim stuff in one form or another. But yeah, not really anything recently for Adult Swim. He does do Bob's Burgers once in a while, but obviously that's an Adult Swim. He also had a reoccurring role back in the 90s on Dr. Katz Professional Therapist. You know, Dr. Katz, the production team went on to make home movies. And then Bob's Burgers. I shouldn't say production team, specifically Lauren Bouchard, but some other guys there too. You know, H. John Benjamin was on there and all those other shows. And looking through his IMDb here, I found a show called Freak Show that was on Comedy Central in 2006, which was created by H. John Benjamin and David Cross, and also starred, besides those guys, Will Arnett, Todd Berry, Janine Garofalo, John Glazer, all sorts of big names were on this Freak Show cartoon, and I'd never seen it yet. The ratings on it aren't that great, but it seems like it takes a special kind of person to enjoy it. And seeing as I like a lot of the people in it, I can imagine it'll be decent. So I'll definitely check out Freak Show and maybe report back to you guys if it's worth your time. But yeah, that's Todd Berry. I think it was in an episode of Space Ghost as well. Just all over this era of Adult Swim cartoons. 
and an accomplished comedian in his own right, please do check out one of his stand-up albums, either the Crowdwork one or any of his written material ones. If you like Romulok's, the way that he speaks, not only in his voice, but how condescending he is and stuff, and the kind of jokes he's making, you'll definitely enjoy Todd Berry's stand-up, so do give his stuff a little listen. So let's get back to this scene. I like how they get home and Romulox is just standing in their house. It doesn't really make sense and it's never explained why he's there. Master Shake says, Romulox, it's you. He says, hey, yeah, it's me. What's the problem? <laughs> so Frylock is wondering who that is. And then Shake explains how it's Romulox. Shake also asks Romulox where he got his gloves and they'll get back to that in a bit. They can't talk about it right now because Romulox is on a phone call. Romulox being very rude to Frylock and Shake, even though he's in their home. You can just tell right away that he is this trendy guy. He has these cool gloves, these cool gadgets. He, he tells the guy he's on the phone with to video chat with him later or video call him, which in 2002 is some hot shit. But back then, the premise of that was pretty awesome. So Romulox just continues to condescend towards them saying, yeah, I was on the phone, guys. You might have gotten a phone call before, but I get them all the time. So let's go back to this scene and watch them interact with Romulox some more. Well, I was just saying about the gloves that oh, the these, yellow... Yeah, they're the original yellows. Oh, I didn't see your knockoffs there. Nice. <laughs> you going for that ironic look or the... Look, I don't have any money. Look. I don't know. Which one would you do? Uh, please be quiet. I'm scheduling here. Is that your PDA? <gasps> with an MP3 function? Look, I'm trying to put my birthday in the schedule, <laughs> right? <laughs> this is the one I want? I mean... The one I I had and I lost. <laughs> so you didn't take his PDA? Oh, gee, I'm sorry. Is this the movie Thief? Music by Tangerine Dream? I don't think so. How do you get the music to go? Yeah, don't don't hit it. Don't hit it. Come on. At the end of that clip, Shake took the PDA and he was hitting it and throwing it around trying to get the music to go. He wanted to hear the MP3 function in action. I don't want to go through every joke here because there's kind of a lot going on. But what I do want to point out, first of all, is back to the gloves. Romulox has the original yellows, and then he insults Shake's hands, which I love this because Shake has had, you know, yellow hands the entire series, the entire season, and now they're bringing it up in a joke as if he chose them or something like that. Just very silly. And you can tell that Shake really looks up to Romulox. He thinks he's so cool because he has all these cool gadgets and cool tech. And Shake kind of outs himself here as never having had a PDA because he sees the one that Romulox has, who again, he is interchangeably calling Romulox, Romulox. He sees the one that Romulox has. He says, that's the one I want. I mean, the one I, I had and I lost. And yeah, that's the metallic blue PDA. So Shake, a metallic blue fan. Last but not least, I want to point out how Frylock says to Romulox, oh, so you didn't take Shakespeare? And Romulox says, oh, gee, I'm sorry. Is this the movie Thief? Music by Tangerine Dream? I don't think so. And this reminds me specifically of Todd Berry's stand-up because he does music jokes and he'll reference bands like this. So th this seems like such a Todd Berry line, not a Matt and Dave line. So I really wonder if he brought this to the table. I want to point out here, I was thinking ahead for you guys. I did email Todd with some questions, but unfortunately... He didn't get back to me. So if he ever does, I will give some sort of update, but unfortunately not. I did email him in the past about something and he responded to me. So that's why I reached out this time. But yeah, to be honest, I wonder if he would even remember because this was over 20 years ago and he's done a lot of stuff in his day. Anyways, back to Todd's music jokes. I want to point out here that he was a drummer and he played in the indie rock band The Chant from 1984 to 1985, appearing on their 85 album, Three Sheets to the Wind. Yeah. 
And besides playing with them for a little bit, Todd has also sat in with bands like Super Chunk and Yola Tango. But yeah, this drumming experience really informs his stand-up comedy in a way that I really appreciate because as a musician myself, it's always great to hear some music jokes, right? Anyways, Romulok's here mentioning 1981 film Thief. And yeah, original music by Tangerine Dream. Not to brag, but hey, man, yours truly. I've got some music put out on a record label that also has music out by someone from Tangerine Dream. So in a way, I'm kind of in this episode of Aqua Teen. Wow. And before you ask, I have seen zero dollars from this release. Anyways, moving on back to this episode. Shake is thrown around this PDA. Romulox is like, hey, man, don't come on. Don't do that. So let's jump back into the scene and see if Master Shake can get the MP3 function to work. Just think about the music and the mind link function will pick up your vibe. Does it teleport? I don't know, man. You tell me. (laughs) This PDA can teleport as well, which, you know, up until now, it's been a pretty normal PDA. Like, yeah, it has music. That's not too crazy, but it teleports too. But I would like to point out this limitation. It seemingly cannot teleport while playing music because the music stopped when Shake used the teleport feature. And... I could not source the song used here when music starts playing from the PDA. I looked at the credits of the episode. I looked at IMDb. I googled it, if you can believe it, and nothing. So if anybody knows that little jingle, some sort of punk rock tune, which seems kind of up Todd Berry's alley because he talks about punk bands quite a bit. Um, yeah, let me know if you know that. I can tack it on somewhere. And Rami Locke said that the PDA will pick up your vibe. So this is Shake's vibe, I guess, this punk rock vibe. And then, yeah, again, with the mind link, that's also something that's funny on top of the teleportation. So we're seeing this device is surely something else. Shake, of course, very impressed by the PDA, which he supposedly also has. But uh, according to him, he misplaced it. Anyways, let's hear what he has to say to Rami Locks about it. I gotta freaking have this! Yeah, take it. Cheers. Really? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's old, man. It is? Look at it. It makes me look like a hillbilly. At first, it's like, yeah, it's nice of Romulox to give it to Shake, but at the same time, he's kind of condescending about it, saying, yeah, it's old. Who would want this? It makes me look like a hillbilly. But he's giving it to Shake, and he's about to brag some more about himself. And while this is going on, he is twirling a grappling hook around, and we see his elbow is almost non-existent. And he'll explain why that is, why his arm is so jiggly and jelly-like. Look, I'm better than you, okay? I just am. Oh, that's cool. What's that? What's it look like, dude? It's a grappling hook. <laughs> Where have you been, man? It's not horrible. Oh, you didn't get that surgery. I'm sorry. We're having fun. Only two people in the world have the easy flow elbow. <laughs> and one of them happens to be named Bruce Willis. Okay. I'll see you at the chateau. All right, the chateau? Hold hey, on, how do we get there? I'm on the phone again. Hands-free, belt unit? We talked about this already. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I am Audi 5000. Ciao. I, I come over. I'll call you later. You say hi to Magellan for me, that crazy kook. Shake is impressed by Romulox's grappling hook. And then Meatwad points out Romulox's weird arm. Romulox is all condescending, of course, about it. Oh, you didn't get that surgery. I'm sorry. And I, I just love Meatwad. We don't have insurance. <laughs> it's nice that Meatwad can get another little line at the end here. Although, honestly, I suppose Meatwad could do this as well since he doesn't have bones. Romulox explains how only two people in the world have the easy flow elbow. And those two people are Romulox and Bruce Willis, action star. And of course, all this is funny. But initially, I was like, I wish there was more Romulox in this episode because I love Todd Berry. But once I really analyze it at this point, this character starts to get kind of annoying. Like they did all they could do with them. He's just better than everybody. Like we get the idea. And he goes off on a really strong ending here with the easy flow elbow. And not really a fan theory, but a nice connection 
between the opening skit with Dr. Weird and this full Aqua Teen episode, even though I don't think they're meant to be related, is that the Dr. Weird one has to do with body modification. And then Romulok's here has body modification in the form of his Easy Flow elbow. So I wonder if Dr. Weird did the surgery. Ooh. Romulox's friend Magellan calls him again, which is a funny, like, rich guy name, just named after a famous explorer. And then, yeah, you know, Romulox heads out. He's just grappling hooks away. So we don't actually see him walk. We don't see him move, which is very, very financially responsible by the guys here, the animation crew, because they don't have to really animate him doing anything. Although his, his arm animation probably took a bit because it looks pretty good. It's very fluid. His grappling hook twirl animation with the easy flow elbow. So that's Romulox. He's out of there now. And we just saw the entire time how enamored with him shake was and how much shake embarrassed himself around romulox because shake thinks he's so cool in his mind but when he's actually around somebody he perceives as cool he acts like a total dork a total doofus he does not keep it cool around them and he looks you know just super desperate moving on we have one last final scene here we have carl making an appearance for the first time this episode and he is on the phone. He's calling up his insurance agents because his pool exploded earlier in the episode. So great tie-in here. And we get to see Carl dealing with the shit that the Aqua Teens put him through, which we haven't really seen in quite a while. Playing the insurance agent here is Vishal Roney, producer for the show. He is playing a character of the same name, and he does make appearances as himself later in the show. So this isn't his only appearance. He also goes on to voice Golden Joe in 12 Ounce Mouse, Alongside, as I mentioned up top in this episode, he produced 12 Ounce Mouse, Space Ghost. He did some stuff on Frisky Dingo, Sea Lab. You know, he was all over these early Adult Swim shows. So let's jump into this scene with Carl calling his insurance agent. Yeah, is this Veroni Insurance? <laughs> oh, hey, Vishal, how you doing? What's up? I didn't recognize you. How are the kids? What Good? Are you my kids? What's up? Yeah, look, Vishal. What are you here for? Uh, Where'd you get my number? My pool exploded. Again. <laughs> we don't cover mysterious explosions. Well, what, what do you mean it doesn't cover this mysterious explosions? Look, well, I know. How many do you have in a week? Uh, do I look like a I know. I know you're not <laughs> a magical <laughs> money tree. Okay, so you hear a crash there, and you also heard some background noises. That is Shake. We saw in the window while Carl's on the phone a grappling hook coming up to his window. So we get a last gag here of Shake has copied Romulox yet again. He got a grappling hook after he saw Romulox using one, which is funny because earlier in the episode, he says that Romulox is always copying him, but we see blatantly that Shake just wants to be Romulox. So let's jump back into this scene now. Master Shake is now in Carl's bedroom. Let's see how the rest of this episode plays out. Carl! Carl! Come on! Guess who I what am! Guess! That? No, that's nothing. Did you see that? Well, you who care. You're not going to cover it anyway. I'm Batman! <laughs> <laughs> I'm Batman too! Uh. <laughs> Better hope you're gutted and scratch my hook! <laughs> Carl. That's the end of the episode. Carl runs out the window, ending his life. He's just so fed up living next to the Aqua Teens, which is fun to get that because we haven't gotten that in a while. Like I said, you know, the first few episodes are very heavily focused on Carl having to deal with living next to these guys, but dealing with it in kind of a uh, human normal way. He doesn't partake in it. He's just sick of it. And then they kind of move away from that for a bit and he kind of plays along with them. But in this one, that is very much not the case. He just kills himself because he's so fed up with his life being ruined by the Aqua Teens. 
So yeah, that's PDA, the uh, second shortest titled Aqua Teen episode ever, tied with episode from season two called The. Overall, really love this episode. And Romulox, of course, not a villain, but a great character in the show. Again, though, one that they did really all they could with. It explains why he's not in very much of the episode. But what surprised me was outside of the Romulox scenes, the episode is also so great. There are so many memorable moments particularly the Trenton tar pits being a highlight of the series, I think. It's just so absurd and silly. And again, putting Meatwad in that sexualized position is just really funny. Like I've said a bunch of times, Todd Berry, one of my favorite comedians, so it's great to see him in any cartoon. I think he always knocks it out of the park, and he did exactly that here. I could definitely tell that some of the writing, if not done by him for Romulox, was tailored around him and his sensibilities. I don't know about you guys, but I'm giving this one five grappling hooks out of five. It's just another fantastic episode. Matt and Dave hitting it out of the park. It's always fun to see Master Shake in this vulnerable position around somebody else. It's always a treat because we don't see it very often. Usually we're seeing Meatwad try and get Shake's approval, but this time we're seeing Shake try and get somebody else's approval. I also love the absurdity of Romulox actually being a tar monster after Shake kept going on about it. You assume Shake is lying, but in this case, he seemed to be telling the truth. But then it's just being so absurd that why is Romulox there? He, he seemingly went to the Aqua Teen's house just to brag about his stuff and then be annoyed and leave. So the whole thing doesn't make sense. And in the Aqua Teen world, that's usually a good thing. But all right, guys, that's it for me and this wonderful episode of Aqua Teen PDA. If you like the show, if you appreciate what I do, please consider signing up on patreon.com slash dancing is forbidden. At the $1 level, you'll get a shout on the show. $5, you'll get that as well as exclusive episodes every month from yours truly in the same style that I do these Aqua Teen episodes in. But for other adult swim shows, at the $10 level, you get to vote on which show I cover. And right now we do have the sticker promo going on. So please nab those up because I'm getting ready to send them out and I have a lot of stickers left over. So if anybody would like to get in on those, please consider signing up and grabbing those. Otherwise, if you like the show and you can't afford to support it financially, just sharing it around, just posting it places definitely helps out. And I really appreciate it. It gives me a little smile on my face. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for sticking with me here. And I'll see you guys next week when we cover season one, episode 17, Mail Order Bride. Have a good week, everybody. to make that cap and get sexy with him or whatever you say.